Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Well, no offense to our good brother who was speaking to later, but this is the most important part of the reading, the reading the precious Word of God. Reading in Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10, and of course you've already been told this is the fourth book of the Bible. Numbers chapter 10. Verse 1 says, And the Lord and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. When they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the camps that lie on the east side shall then begin their journey. When you sound the advance the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. They shall sound the call for them to begin their journeys. And when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but not sound the advance. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets, and these shall be to you as an ordinance forever throughout your generations. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. Also, in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. And I know that God bless you is always reading for his Hey, We're very happy to have a brother Don Pell, Dan, Don and Jen, fellowship with us here at the Claremont meeting. He's not here all the time, but when he is here, we're always blessed when he could take time to minister God's word. So we'll turn the remainder of our meeting now over to our brother, Don Pell. Good morning. I hope you kept your place in Numbers, chapter number 10. If you did not, you might want to turn. I'm not going to read what our brother very capably read before, and I think out of the New King James, if I'm not mistaken. Or were they just so close I couldn't tell the difference? They are very close. He and I are both raised in the King James, but I've kind of been converted recently to getting away from the thous and the these and the couldas and the cants and all that sort of thing. But it's all God's Word, and we're thankful for the many translations that are available to us. This is a situation where God seeks to communicate with his people with a very clear, distinctive sound. Uh, 
And this morning I want to look at three different things concerning this situation. First of all, the instruments or the trumpets. Secondly, the musicians or the trumpeters. And thirdly, the music or the trumpeting itself. First of all, the trumpets. They represented the communication of the mind of God in a form distinct, simple, and adequate to be understood by everyone in the camp of Israel. And we think about today, does God still have trumpeters? Does he still have a trumpet sound? Today, God's message to the world is delivered by the trumpet through the trumpeter. It's carried by man by the evangel. We don't hear that term a lot, but a messenger who carries the good news. An evangel is an evangelical person. Have you ever been asked, are you an evangelical person? Well, an evangelical person is a person who feels that it is his duty and his privilege to carry the good news to everyone in his or her world. That term evangel comes in one of our Christmas carols. It goes like this. Hey, we shout to the lovely evangel they bring, and we greet in his cradle our Savior and King. And Paul explains to the Romans how important this is. This is what he says, or what he writes to them. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And shall they hear without a trumpeter, a preacher? First of all, the word of God is trumpeted to everyone, revealing the mind of God. It was for the calling of the congregation and for the directing of the movement of the camps. Calling the congregation reminds us of salvation, meeting at the door of the tabernacle. Directing the movement of the camps reminds us of sanctification and our walk of faith. To the Romans, Paul writes again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the trumpeting of the word of God. This reminds us of the trumpet of the Old Testament and the trumpet of the New Testament. It illustrates to us the progressive revelation of God revealing to various economies a continuum of truth. Now let's look at the nature of these trumpets. Make two silver trumpets. And of course, silver is a precious metal. It's there to make a quality sound. If you've talked to anybody who plays a brass instrument, they'll tell you that the Makeup of the instrument is very important to get a really clear, distinct sound. Silver speaks of value, a precious metal. And it reminds us of the silver that was present in the Old Testament economy. I'm going to just read God's instructions there that he gave to Moses concerning the silver. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is 20 geras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone, included among those who are numbered, 
from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. Now, I read this a particular way on purpose. I'm going to reread that section. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. Now, why did I read it that way? Well, the question is, is atonement obtained through silver? Is atonement obtained through gold? Well, we know that God's medium of exchange is not silver and it's not gold. Gold and silver change in value. They fluctuate according to the dictates of the world's markets. Surely God would not place his medium of exchange on such a standard. But it's the precious blood. It's the blood. In this case, for the Israelites, it was the shed blood of an animal that provided the atonement. God instructs them. He says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So, if not atonement, what did the silver accomplish? Well, you see, as they were in the process of making an atonement through the animal sacrifices, following that, they brought the silver. So, what was its purpose? Well, first of all, it served as a memorial of their atonement. It was used for the service of the tabernacle. Remember, the Levites didn't have an inheritance. The Lord was their inheritance. And so, the silver was used to support the work of the Levites, the priests, as they did the work of the tabernacle. The unity, you shall make them of hammered work, the new King James tells us. The NET puts it this way. You are to make them from a single hammered piece. They all came from one piece. The King James says, "You of a whole piece shalt thou make them. I agree with you, brother. I think the King James is a little bit more explicit on this from a whole piece you shall make them each trumpet serves as a type of the old testament and the new god's mind revealed through the ages each testament came from the same author the same silver piece but it was speaking to different economies different dispensations as god's truth is progressively revealed down through the ages Paul makes this clear to Timothy. He says, all of it, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And every bit of it is profitable. I trust this morning that what we're reading here in Numbers chapter 10 will be profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Each play the same tune. And what tune is that, by the way? Same tune in the old, same tune in the new. It's salvation by grace through faith. That tune is not changed. Salvation by faith through faith, by grace through faith. I believe it was Brother Gary, maybe it was the men's breakfast, talked about that scarlet cord that came down, remember, from Rahab's 
residence there on the walls of Jericho. And he talked about the scarlet cord that runs a theme all the way through Scripture. And so here we have that same tune. Abraham and Paul the Apostle were all saved the same way. Did you know that? Same way we're saved. Salvation by grace through faith. You know what the scripture says? Abraham did a whole lot of things and God was so pleased that he said, you know, no. Doesn't say that, does it? Abraham did what? Believed. There it is. Well, how'd you get saved? You believed, did you not? Abraham believed and then what happens as a result of his faith? It was accounted to him for righteousness. Same tune. Let's talk about the trumpeters. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets. How did Aaron's sons become priests? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? They were born priests. They were born into the family of Aaron. Do we have priests today? Does God still use priests to trumpet? How do they become priests? Well, the same way, by birth. But not a physical birth, a spiritual birth. John's Gospel says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of blood, not biologically, nor the will of the flesh, not deciding to have another child, nor the will of man, but of God, a spiritual birth. And today's trumpeters serve as priests in a twofold way. Peter in his epistle describes those two different categories of priests that are trumpeting today. First of all, he writes, you, are, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. What a holy priest do? Well, Peter explains it. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Then he talks about a different kind of priest. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What do those do? What do royal priests do? They proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we have two priests. We have holy priests to worship and royal priests to serve. Aaron's sons likely learned to blow the trumpet from their father. Today's trumpeters learn to play the trumpet from their heavenly father through his own Holy Spirit. And here's how John explains that dynamic. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And then Peter, in his epistle, emphasizes this same idea. He says, if anyone speaks, if anyone trumpets, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. And here's the purpose, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Spirit teaches the right tune, 
the proper notes, and that results in a harmonious blending of music that pleases Almighty God. When I was uh, doing my student teaching up in Michigan, we were required to kind of rotate through the different areas of the school, and one day I was assigned to observe the band. You ever done that? Have you ever gone into a band room when everybody's tuning their instruments? You ever done that? Andrew's laughing because he remembers that. It's awful. It's awful. All the clarinets, they're not on the same page. One clarinetist is doing this. The trumpet's not the same page. The ba- you know, none of them are on the same page. But then, in comes the conductor. Tap, tap, tap. There, Andrew. Tap, tap, tap. All right. All right. Look at your score. We're going to start with the first measure. Everybody gets their instruments ready. One, two, three. What do you think happens? No, none of that. Wham! A beautiful harmony of all those instruments playing the very same tune and the very same score. Now, when you get my age, you have a tendency to tell the same stories again and again. And I'm going to ask this question. How many of you have heard my story of the tuba? How many of you have never heard my story of the tuba? Never heard my story of the tuba? I think I have time to squeeze it in. When I was in sixth grade, back then, elementary was K through six. Junior high was seven through nine, and senior high was 10 through 12, and I was in the sixth grade. We didn't have a band in sixth grade, but they did have one in the junior high. Now, I always aspired to get into the band in the junior high for one simple reason. That's where all the really pretty girls were in the junior high band. One day, the principal comes knocking on the door of my sixth grade teacher and says, I am in need of tuba players. And I thought, wow, a chance to get in the band. He chose two guys, and I was one of them. And so I go home and I say to my dad, Dad, I think I have a chance to play in the band. He thought it was a great idea. He used to play the clarinet in the band. What instrument are you going to play, he said. And I said, it'll be the tuba. And he says, oh, no, the tuba. You can't play the tuba in the meetings. Nobody plays the tuba in the meetings with Lord's people when they gather. And so he shot it down. That was the end of it. I never played the tuba. Never got in the band, never. Cycle many years forward. We're living in Greensboro, North Carolina, fellowshipping at the Shannon Hills Bible Chapel, a large assembly, four or five hundred people would be assembling on a given Sunday morning. They had a brass ensemble. It was really quite good. But they were missing something. A brother approaches me and he says, Do you happen to play the tuba? <laughs> oh, what do you think I thought about? Back when my dad said you could never play the tuba in the meeting of the Lord's people. Well, they were, they were. They played the tuba. When God's people come together in unity, oh, wow, some real harmony, right? You know, Paul tells the Ephesian believers, this is so good. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And that which comes from the heart, and it comes out through the throat and through the voice. Wow. I think in heaven we're going to really have all that harmonious music. Aaron's sons were sanctified. They were set apart, and they were consecrated for that particular service. I've discovered something that I really didn't know all that much, but uh, one day I was talking to a guy who had played in the band in high school. We were played many years later, and I says, what did you play? And he said, I played the trumpet. And I said, well, do you still play it? Oh, no. Why not? Oh, my lip's out of shape. What are you talking about? I thought, what did you do with those cylinders? Made all... No, no, no. You see, a lot of notes are made, right, Andrew? With the lips. And if your lips get out of shape, you cannot make that nice crystal clear sound in those notes that you need to make. The cylinders, yes, they have a purpose, but the lips do a lot of it. And Peter says, you know what? You better keep your lips in shape. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready, you trumpeters, to give a defense. To everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with weakness, meekness rather, and fear. And the effect of trumpeter must also keep his instrument close. He must be trumpeting continuously. And Paul says to Timothy, you need to trumpet. And in order to do it effectively, you must study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, not to blow a sour note. When a sour note is not called for. Rightly trumpeting the right sound for the right occasion. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Recognizing different ways that God distributed information to his people. Now let's talk about the trumpeting. When they blow both, when they blow both of them. The trumpets worked in concert to direct information to a certain group for a very specific reason. Sometimes they were to blow both of them. We find that in verse number 3. This was a call to salvation and sanctification, meeting at the door of the tabernacle. At the door of the tabernacle, what did they find? They found a continual burnt offering. Here's what God says to Moses. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Before the Lord, there I will meet you to speak with you. And this speaks to us of what Christ was to God as the perfect sacrifice to serve as an atonement in trumpet number one, the Old Testament, and a complete cleansing of sin in trumpet number two, the New Testament. Later on to Moses, he instructs, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt, and I'm going to bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Sometimes they were to sound the advance the second time. We find that in verse 6. The second advance directed to the south side to begin their journey. This reminds us of God calling to us to establish the church. The first advance to Israel, the second advance to the church. On this rock I will build my church, the Lord said, and the gates of Hades shall not 
prevail against but then of course the initial fulfillment we find in Acts chapter 2 what we refer to often as the birth of the church where it came into existence they received the word they were baptized 3,000 souls added and then they did something that we are doing to this very day they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine in what's the next one fellowship and what else did they do? Ah, they prayed together. Do we do that? Sure we do. We meet for the doctrine. We meet for the breaking of bread. We meet for the prayers. And, whoa, the fellowship. Yeah, nothing like it, is there? No other fellowship like fellowship with the Lord's people. And then, of course, there was growth. Thank the Lord. 3,000 added right there at that one time. The Lord is continuing to build his church. It reminds us that not all scripture is written to us or about us. Most of the portion of the scriptures is about somebody else, the nation of Israel. And it's not all written to us. I was never told I was going to be the father of many nations, for instance. I was never told that my throne would be established forever. But it is all what? For us. It is all for us. That's why we can talk about the trumpets this morning. God continues to speak through both of them, both of those trumpets, the old and the new. For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our what? Learning. Ah, brother, learning. There it is. Learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have Oh, hope. Doesn't that give you a lot of hope to know that God has always wanted to communicate with his people? That he always found a real clear tune, that he used trumpeters and priests to convey his message, and they are sanctified and set apart, and he encourages them to continue trumpeting. We listen to the sound of the first silver trumpet, and we learn about the types and the shadows. And then we listen to the sound of the second trumpet and we learn how those types and those shadows have been fulfilled. By listening to the sound of two silver trumpets, we obtain what Paul referred to as the whole counsel of God. When I was growing up, it was not uncommon for preachers to say this. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, often people who try to ridicule the scriptures will say, this is what the Bible says. And you know how they can do that? Because they don't seek the whole counsel of God. They'll take a verse out of context and try to use it inappropriately. But you see, we need the whole counsel of God. Sometimes that's found in one trumpet, sometimes in another trumpet. But there it is. We need the whole counsel of God. Now we're listening. We're listening to the sound. You know, only those who've responded to the first one are never going to hear anything else. Paul says, the natural man, nah, he doesn't even hear it. He doesn't receive it. It's foolishness. They're spiritually discerned. He has to be involved in a spiritual calling. He has to be convicted. Through conviction of the Holy Spirit, he's able to hear the initial one, the first sound, and respond. Forever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Responding there. Taken to the foot of the cross where the sacrifice was 
made. We need to make certain that we hear and respond to the clear sound of the two silver trumpets. You know why? The world is filled with noise. We live in a noisy, noisy world. In his Psalm 40, David writes, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps, or my goings. The word translated horrible can also be translated noisy, tumultuous, rushing. You see, the devil seeks to distort by injecting sour notes, distorting the clear sound of the trumpet. And we have to be careful what sounds we hear. John was concerned about this problem. Here's what he wrote. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Don't believe every sound you hear. Some of it is distortion by the devil. You'll trumpet sour notes if you listen to the devil. Try the spirits. Seek the whole counsel of God. Look at both trumpets. Whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Remember in the New Testament scriptures, Paul is constantly warning believers against false trumpeters, false prophets. Now, one more trumpet sound. Are you listening? Are you ready? Do you look forward to it? One more. One more. Israel and the church. Ah. Paul tells the Corinthians, here it is. This is how it's going to happen. I'll show you a mystery. Something hidden in the past time, but it's going to happen. We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed. In a moment. In the twink of an eye at the last what? Trumpet. There it is. Trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. Oh, it's going to be a nice clear sound, is it not? And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Oh, wow. For this corruptible, this cancer, this heart disease, this COVID, this whatever, must put on incorruption. This mortal, this fleeting life that just disappears in a moment, it would seem, must put on immortality. So here we are on planet Earth, and we listen to two trumpets, the old and the new, and we discern the whole counsel of God. And strengthened by what we hear, we trumpet to the world. And we listen, we listen for the sound of the next one. The Lord will take us home to be with himself. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song? Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen.
Father, we're thankful for the fact that we have heard the trumpet sound. We have discovered your truths as they were revealed in such a clear and distinctive way. And we look forward to the next sound when you'll come to take us to be with yourself. Until then, may we be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, we just pray these thoughts might have been a blessing this morning, for it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.